Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Australia on this day. My name's Michael Adams, and today we're going back to Sunday, the 15th of September, 1895. That was the day that the funniest man in the world, Mark Twain, arrived in Sydney Harbour. Mark Twain's nighttime arrival at Watson's Bay 125 years ago today caused such excitement that the first interview was done by an enterprising scribe who was standing in a little boat. Battling the swell, and to be heard over blasts of steam from the anchored vessel Waramu, this reporter yelled questions up to the new arrival. The interview, headlined, Arrival of Mark Twain, an Innocent Abroad, would make the next morning's edition of the Sydney Morning Herald. Over the next week, the article would be carried in newspapers throughout the colonies, and it gave Australians a little taste of what they might expect if they bought a ticket to one of Mark Twain's many shows. Then about to turn 60, the man who'd been born Samuel Clements but who was known the world over by his nom de plume should rightly have been enjoying the wealth of his labours back in the United States. For the past three decades, since the publication of his comic short story The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County, Mark Twain had been delighting readers by their millions. Most famous, of course, were his 1876 book, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, and its 1884 sequel, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Mark Twain had made a mozza from these novels and from his other writings, but he'd sunk much of his money into a publishing company that was hemorrhaging money, and even more seriously, he'd invested heavily in an invention called the page typesetting machine that was supposed to revolutionise the publishing industry. Short story, it didn't, and he lost his fortune and more. So Mark Twain decided he'd go on tour. From the box office he'd earn and the book he'd write about his adventures, he was determined to pay back his creditors. First, Mark Twain played American and Canadian venues. Then it was time to take on the world and Mark Twain's first stop was Sydney, Australia. Many modern Sydney journalists can't help but ask visiting jet-lagged celebrities who are seeing Mascot for the first time, so, what do you think of Australia? And 125 years ago today, the Sydney Morning Herald's representative asked this very question of a man who'd spent a month sailing across the Pacific and who'd arrived in the dark of night. Yet Mark Twain responded with grace and wit, quote, What are my ideas and impressions in coming to Australia? I don't know. I'm ready to adopt anything that seems handy. I don't believe in going outside accepted views. If there are any little things, for instance, that you would like to work off on me, fire away. And despite knowing nothing about Australia, Mark Twain announced there and then he intended to write a book about the country starting immediately. Quote, I think I ought to start now. You know so much more of a country when you haven't seen it than when you have. Besides, you don't get your mind strengthened by contact with the hard facts of things. The hardest facts for people who visit foreign places so as to write books are the local liars. They come out and stuff you with information you don't want, and then they asperse your memory ever after. 
Of course, that made no sense at all, but that was the point. What, the Herald reporter asked, was Mark Twain going to talk about in his lectures? He responded, quote, Well, I shall not take any set subjects. I shall speak of my reminiscences, personal anecdotes of my books, and grow generally discursive about myself and my labours. He also said he'd test comic material to see if it was any good. Quote, I tried on the public first, and that takes the first sharp agony of the thing away. And like modern celebrities, Mark Twain even had a celebrity beef going on. The French-born writer Max O'Rell, who'd toured Australia successfully a few years earlier, had taken it upon himself to slag off Mark Twain in print. This had led to newspaper speculation that the two writers were going to put down their pens and pick up their swords. Asked about this by the Herald Man, Mark Twain scoffed, quote, Yes, I know Max O'Rell was here. I dare say you have heard of our little breeze, but it was he who did all the talking. After I had answered him in his own fashion, I let him alone. The Herald Man pressed, asking if Mark Twain was going to fight a duel with Max O'Rell. He replied, No, I can disgrace myself nearer home if I felt so inclined than by going out to have a row with a Frenchman. The fact of the matter is, I think Max O'Rell wanted an advertisement and thought the best way to get it was to draw me. But I'm far too old a soldier for that sort of thing. What the Herald Fellow asked next wasn't recorded, but Mark Twain's reply strikes a note of good-natured exasperation. Quote, Really, I don't know that I can tell you very much more. I didn't see the sea serpent on my voyage across, but permit me to say that your harbour strikes me as being superb. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure it's magnificent from what I've heard about it. Anyway, it seems the correct sort of thing to say on this occasion. I would also add a few words about the beauties of your post office, but I don't like to throw my good things away on a quiet night like this. Good night. Then, as the steamer headed up the harbour, Mark Twain had one more thing to say, calling out to ensure the reporter got the story right. Don't forget my soulful eyes and deeply intellectual expression. The Herald Man did the decent thing by quoting that, and by concluding his piece with a plug for Mark Twain's show. The Herald reporter wrote, And that is the end of the interview with the famous humorist, whom everyone has read, whom everyone has laughed with, except a few unfortunate whose diseases are not known to the pathology, and whom most will flock to see next Thursday. Mark Twain's shows, which were called At Homes, were held at Sydney's Protestant Hall. He was advertised as the greatest humorist of the century, who'd offer three nights of wit and wisdom with different subjects every night. As the Herald reporter predicted, Sydney siders did flock to see him. On each night, some 2,000 people crammed into the hall. This was four times the crowd size he was used to playing back home. And it was astounding to Mark Twain. As author Richard Zacks wrote in his 2016 book, Chasing the Last Laugh, Mark Twain's raucous and redemptive round-the-world comedy tour, quote, What had started for him as a desperate lunge for money was starting to seem magically transformed into a victory lap for the humorist of the century. Reading the newspapers from the time is to see that everywhere Mark Twain went in Australia, journalists clamoured for his every opinion. And he offered them up from explaining his preference for hot whiskey without sugar to declaring that for the term of his natural life was the finest Antipodean novel. The newspaper writers reciprocated with colourful accounts of the visitor's appearance, which ranged from, he's a somewhat disappointing specimen of humanity, to, 
His eyes twinkle from beneath his bushy brows like a pair of merry stars. No matter what they thought of how Mark Twain looked, they were unanimous in their praise for how he sounded at the dozens of lectures he gave in capital city and country town venues, which were invariably packed to suffocation. Melbourne's The Argus newspaper noted that while there was little new material, his delivery of favourite stories was revelatory. Quote, For the first time, one really realised what American humour actually is. There was the quiet, lazy drawl, the half-closed eye, the confidential manner, leading one slyly away from the point of the story so that it might be thrust in unawares amongst the small ribs of a sort of addendum or afterthought. The Sydney Morning Herald was on the same track when it marvelled that Mark Twain's purposeful rambling, quote, which the audience punctuates for him with laughter, would, quote, at the widest circle of this boomerang recital, drop back of a sudden on the tag or the moral or the lost point of his anecdote. In a very real sense, Mark Twain's visit was the birth of modern stand-up comedy in Australia. After steaming from our shores in January 1896, he continued his tour through India, Africa and Europe and wrote about his experiences abroad in the 1897 book Following the Equator. While this big volume isn't only about Australia, some 17 chapters are devoted to Mark Twain's entertainingly personal discursive ramble through our history, geography, wildlife and culture, taking in everything from the fate of the Aborigines and the sociability of gum trees to the grandness of Melbourne Cup and the peculiarities of the Australian slang. Of course, Mark Twain's most famous commentary from his time down under was about Australian history, and it went like this. It is almost always picturesque. Indeed, it is so curious and strange that it is itself the chiefest novelty the country has to offer, and so it pushes the other novelties into second and third place. It does not read like history, but like the most beautiful lies, and all of a fresh new sort, no mouldy old stale ones. It is full of surprises and adventures and incongruities and contradictions and incredibilities. But they are all true. They all happened. Don't we know it? I'm Michael Adams and you've been listening to Australia on This Day. Just a note before I go, like many Australian podcasters, my shows are labours of love, mostly supported by money I earn from other work. For the next couple of months, I'll be juggling Australia on this day and Forgotten Australia with a full-time day job, so I'm going to do my best to keep producing episodes as often as I can. Thanks for your patience and for listening, and if you've got a moment and you'd like to help Australia on this day reach more people, I'd love it if you could leave a review and rating at iTunes. Catch you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 